Hello there and welcome to the Racing Home podcast brought to you by Women in Racing and Simply Racing with support from the Racing Foundation and Kindred Group. I'm Naomi Meller, an equine vet and podcast producer, and in this podcast we're talking about work and family. It's challenging being a parent, whoever you are and whatever you do, and it's particularly challenging being a parent when you work in horse racing. It's 24-7, 365 days a year. So how can we best help people manage being both great parents and valued members of the racing family? Following the Racing Home Research Project, in this podcast we'll be exploring ideas around parenthood and career progression and how to do things differently. I'll be talking to trainers, jockeys, physiotherapists and a host of the sport's experts and decision makers about their experiences, their stories and how together we can shape a positive future for all families in horse racing. We've talked a lot in previous episodes of the podcast about parenthood, work, the juggle and the balance of making it all fit together in life, however you choose to live it. But today I've got the pleasure of welcoming two fantastic women to talk about the latter end of women's careers and the spectre facing most of us at some point in our 40s, 50s or beyond, the menopause. Like periods, the menopause just used to fall under the bracket of women's issues, which were skirted around in the office and often mumbled about with embarrassment and shame. But 14 million working days are lost annually due to menopause-related symptoms. 63% of women report being adversely affected at work by their experiences of the menopause, and one in four consider leaving their jobs altogether whilst going through it. Now, in part thanks to Davina Bacall, Meg Matthews and a slew of other women holding conversations on menopause and being open about their experiences, change is coming and it is happening fast. I'm joined today to chat about this by Emma Tranter and Suzanne Homewood. Emma has worked in marketing at Salisbury Racecourse for nearly 10 years, having started her career in advertising. She found her way back to racing part-time initially after having her two children who are now 12 and 10 and has gradually built back up to a full-time role. Earlier this year, she founded Walk and Talk at Salisbury Racecourse, sessions that are open to any woman experiencing perimenopause and menopause. More on that later on. Suzanne Homewood is now a consultant for a fintech startup called Money Hub and a non-executive director at British Dressage. She's had a long and illustrious career in B2B sales, eventually becoming head of Samsung UK's B2B team and has been associated with Racing Home since its kickoff back in 2019. Today's episode is a little different on Racing Home, but has, is one that has been asked for by very many people and is going to be talking about menopause. And one of the reasons that Emma is here with us today is because she has set up a new initiative at Salisbury Racecourse this summer. So before we get into that, I just wondered, Emma, why you think menopause is an important topic to be talking about in the workplace. And for those who are either have not experienced menopause yet or because if they're not a woman they probably won't can you just tell us a little bit about how it impacts people in the workplace as well well I mean I guess what one of the things to start with is it, it will be different for for any one woman but I'll be 48 in May and I'm surrounded by like-minded women like myself with careers and children and so we discuss at length and we laugh a lot uh, about the things that we're going through but I think one of the important things really is 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 recognizing it early on, you know, what it means to, to, to be in a work environment and to know that 
Um, you're not going mad, uh, which is what I hear from a lot of people that I talk to. Um, for me, one of the early signs, which is not stereotypical of, of the, the signs or symptoms you hear of, is that I really, really hated driving all of a sudden. I was really nervous, very anxious. I found myself in the car on the way back from um, a theatre trip with my daughter and I was terrified of the oncoming lights. And it was really unlike me because I'm quite an upbeat person. Um, fortunately, I, as I say, I haven't suffered from anxiety, but I felt really anxious. And I thought, this is really not me. I'm not myself. And there were times physically when things were happening to my body that I felt difficult going into work. And I work in a, with a, a very small team of brilliant, brilliant people. But and I'm very close to, to all of them in, in different ways. But certainly I was there were some days when I felt that physically, you know, I really could have done with staying at home by my own loo. And and I know that's quite a sort of base topic, but but that's really how I felt some days and just hot and just generally unwell and, and I wasn't unwell. I was just starting this journey that that a lot of us in in, in work are on. Um, and that, that's how it began with, for me, certainly. And so these conversations started with my colleagues. And of course, within racing, you have your core team all year round. And then on race days, you can have hundreds of race day staff and they're all differing at differing ages. And, and so these sort of group chats started and we said, we've got this space. We only race 16 days a year. Yes, we've got lots of other functions that go on throughout the year, but We've got these lovely areas that we could all just get together and as a collective, just talk and and use phrases that we could use in an open forum comfortably. And it went from there. So we we had a few small ones, as I say, and then we had a bigger event about six weeks ago, just before the six week holidays. And we've got another one this coming Friday. We've got a, a lady that does menopause yoga that's coming to talk to us about breathing techniques, because another symptom uh, is brain fog and forgetting really basic words. And so she she's really keen to show us some techniques that can help with that. So I'm looking forward to that on Friday. Oh my gosh, there's so much to dig into there. I'm just making notes as you're talking. <laughs> and I keep thinking, I'll come back to that. I'll come back to that. Just so touching on something that you said early on there, and Suzanne, I would love your um, kind of take on this as well, was you said you work in a very, very close team and a, and a mostly women environment where you're able to have quite open conversations. Early on, before you got to the stage of organising any of these events, how comfortable did you actually feel to talk about the fact that really you would rather be at home and you didn't feel that well and maybe your brain was a bit foggy? Did you Were you able to tell people why that was or did you still feel that it was a bit of a taboo subject, Emma? Um, I not once felt comfortable saying it, and it isn't because the receiver of the information I think would have felt uncomfortable. In actual fact, um, my direct boss, his wife went through the menopause early, so I know that he would have been sympathetic, but still within me, it was that admission of not weakness that seems well, yeah, maybe it is really because it's that, it's that thing, isn't it? Oh, you've got your period, oh, you know, you're not. You're not firing on all cylinders or you're not up to, to working and it's you don't you you don't want to to let anyone think that you're weak in any way, which I suppose is silly really, because we all at times need just a little bit of help and understanding, which as I say, I'm absolutely certain that I would have got. I just didn't feel comfortable. Because how do you say to your boss, I'm bleeding really heavily? Um 
I'm, you know, I'm really uncomfortable at my desk and, and, and all of these conversations that are really tough to have in any forum, but, but very difficult with your, with your male boss. It's hard. I, and, and, and also, I, I, I think you're right in that it is such an intimate subject. And whilst you can say, oh, yeah, I'm having a really heavy period or whatever, you don't really necessarily want to go into all of the details of that. And especially not with male colleagues when I think our perception certainly, I think it's different. I do think it's different now and we'll come on to that later, but perception of, you know, definitely before the pandemic, uh, it is interesting how that has changed and working from home and therefore how you, the different conversations you've had, but um, that, that kind of with the female, uh, sorry, with your male boss or male colleagues that they're then thinking, oh God, period. Oh God, right. Don't, don't talk to her. She's planning to be in a bad mood as well. Um, you know, that perception <laughs> of we're all dreadful when we're having a period. Um, my gosh, don't go anywhere near that person, uh, which is really sad when, and, and actually, again, jumping forwards a little bit, but I th- I found by opening up to male colleagues, they're almost like, oh, thank goodness, I could talk to you about what I'm experiencing as well with my wife. How do you deal with this? Or we've gone through this, or we've had this approach. I've been really blown away by the people I've gone, sod it, I'm just going to say something. Um, and how they've reacted has been far more positive than I've expected. However, there are still people I probably wouldn't discuss it with. (laughs) Well, no, I was just going to say one of my male colleagues, in actual fact, our financial controller, he now cuts bits out of magazines and newspapers for me, which is super lovely and really supportive. That's amazing. Oh, that's so sweet. (laughs) That's incredible. Um, and Suzanne, how about you? Because I was just going to ask about you. You alluded um, in your kind of intro about your life that your working environments had often been very male dominated. Um, so, yeah, a couple of things there. I, I'd say I, I'm a really open, direct person. I'm very well known for being that person. <laughs> I love that. Um, and I, throughout my career, probably haven't, 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 worried too much about being fairly open not not you know in a gosh a, a broadcast way but with the people I've worked for and I've also been really lucky that I have worked for some incredible men and women mainly men I have to say who have been very family people and have also been very approachable and I also think that the organizations I've worked for have also been led by incredible people leaders, people, directors, HR teams who have also been open to those. However, the menopause has never been on the agenda of any of them. Yes, as you say, maternity, pregnancy, managing that, because of course it is a priority for companies because your female teams will spend an element of time out of the business. So you have to plan and manage for that and support within it. That was quite interesting to see those adjustments from being at a they're, they're out of the business into they're still actually in the business just because they're not here doesn't mean they're not in the business. So that's quite an interesting transition that I saw happen um, and those support elements that run all around it. But menopause was never something that was mentioned ever. Um, it was never on any agenda, never on any discussion points. Uh, it was definitely the hidden physical challenge. Um, but because it 
it, it has such an impact on the mental challenge. I actually think that it started coming to the fore, probably, probably I'd say about five years ago. So just as I was leaving um, and inclusion and diversity really started to pick up and all elements of what do we do for our various different um, cohorts of people and individuals that the menopause started to become and and an aging population and a growing female leadership team and a real focus on women in in senior leadership roles um it had to become part of the conversation but but i'd still say when i left samsung i still wouldn't have said they had they didn't have what you've done emma oh nothing like that i can't i can't comment as much in detail now, but they do have mental health first aiders. Um, and part of that is um, menopause as well, because whilst it's a physical change, it actually has impact on your mental health. So um, things have stepped on dramatically. And I, I kind of touched on, I do think the whole working from home culture, whilst it has created some mental health issues, it has actually opened up some interesting discussions because you had to delve deeper. You had to ask more questions because you weren't you weren't in that corridor conversation of somebody saying, oh yeah, by the way, I'm not feeling so great. You actually had to really interpret what was on the screen in front of you and ask that one more question. Um, but how are you really feeling? Um, and that doesn't look great behind you or that doesn't sound great or and try and pick up on those nuances. So listening became even more important during those periods. Pardon the pun. Mm, so interesting. Um, I had no idea as somebody who has looked at mental health first aid courses, but hasn't actually taken one yet, although I'm very keen to do so. I didn't realise that um, menopause was covered in those. And I think that is incredibly important and also a really interesting point that although we think primarily about the physical changes that come with the menopause, but but some of the mental issues might be perhaps overlooked by people who are not familiar with menopause or haven't been through it. Although the brain fog, as we've discussed, is quite a commonly cited sign. I think I love the idea of mental health first aid as being really attuned and aware of this, and and to really to look out to know what to look out for for the right people at the right time. And I just think that's a, a really great point, uh, Suzanne. Thank you. Yeah. Well, it it is. If I if I think about, you know, you said what about my own personal experience? I I actually didn't have any physical attributes from it or <laughs> attributes, any physical impact from it. Mine was all, you know, like so many women, imposter syndrome. Yeah, I'm super super confident. Uh, you don't you don't get a senior leadership role in a corporate business like that without without being able to have the the you know the ability to get your elbows out and put yourself forwards and 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 so forth that doesn't mean i didn't come home with massive amounts of doubts and concerns on a daily basis however i noticed again i didn't you know uh, i was still having my period um they just stopped really suddenly there was no no other changes it just that they were on they were off but I, the memory loss and the lack of confidence, like hit me like a ton of bricks. Suddenly, like like Emma's experience in driving, mine was just my own decision making. Oh, am I doing this right? And it even extended into riding my horses, which was crazy. You know, if there's two things that I'm in control of, one one is my own mental state and how I decide to approach 
walking into a meeting, that's always been my feeling. Um, how I feel after it might be a different thing, but how I walk into a room is my choice. <laughs> um, and when I get on a horse, um, you know, I've been riding for years. I've been competing for years. I was super confident, but to suddenly lose those two things that I was very proud of was really shocking. And and I'd say even now, I still really struggle with it. And I'm, we'll come on to kind of what you do and how you deal with it and, and just the baffling amount of stuff that's on the market to look at. <laughs> yeah. So that is a whole other topic, isn't oh, it? Yeah. I, and I think that's that's the challenge in that there are a lot of horrible things that impact. So, I mean, I mean basically... As the body is changing, it's no longer producing. As we get older, it just stops producing the levels of estrogen and progesterone as well. And this, this is the bit that I think a lot of people don't know. So everybody talks about the estrogen element, but not the progesterone. The progesterone is the bit that affects our sleep. So when when we take a supplement, HRT supplements, they are either a patch which has both of them in or a gel or even an insertion, which I didn't even know existed. As Emma said from your nutritionist, our bodies are all very different in how they react to things. And um, the thing that I have read and probably learned is it's trial and error. So I've tried a couple of herbals. I've tried HRT. I, I, I stopped it. Uh, so I was on a, a gel and a progesterone one a day tablet. And that's also different as well. If you're still if you're still bleeding, then you're not supposed to take the progesterone for too long. Uh, if you're not bleeding anymore, you you take it every day. It, gosh, it's really complex. <laughs> so complicated. Um, yeah, it, it is, is. It is. It is complicated. But it is. I think the thing I've learned, and that I would encourage people listening to do, to this who maybe are thinking, "Oh, do I? Don't I?" You just got to test and try stuff until you find the thing that works for you. So. I was taking the full sachet. It's only a small one milligram sachet of gel and the tablet, progesterone tablet, and and it made me really bloated. So I was like, right, that's it. I'm not doing this anymore. And stop it. And then everything else got really worse. And I thought, oh my god, I've got to do something about this. So I'm now halved the gel. So I'm hardly having anything. Now I'm only in week two, but I have to say I do feel better. Um, so yeah, it's test and try it. Other people have said, go, as Emma said, go to a nutritionist. Yeah. And she, she's fantastic. But th- I think the problem is for a lot of women at the start of this journey, they will naturally go to the doctor first. Um, and the doctor will do some bloods and quite often their hormone levels will be very different in the morning to, to the hormone levels in the afternoon. Therefore, when the results come back, the doctor might say, oh, you're low in estrogen, we'll give you this. And 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 again, it's it's a case of, well, it, that whole sort of prognosis completely changes depending on what time your appointment is and where you are in your cycle and all of these things. And and of course, the saddest truth in, in a lot of cases and in a lot of people that I speak to, which is why these things are great and you know, social media forums are fantastic for, for like-minded people to chat, is that they really push you? Gosh, I've completely forgot what I was going to say now. I've gone completely off piece. I see it's brain fog. This is exactly what happens to me. It's awful. No, it's fine. Don't worry. Don't worry at all. I can only imagine. And the number of people that have said to me about yeah. the, the way this happens that you're just in the middle of a conversation and then you kind of trail off and you can't quite remember what you... I've remembered. Good <laughs> news. Go go, go, go. I think the thing is, is that. <laughs> like menopause in action it's amazing <laughs> it really is 
It really is. The sad truth in a lot of cases is that a lot of women, and I think a lot will depend on the individual again. And if you've had uh, mental health issues over the years or you've suffered from anxiety, having these symptoms is just going to magnify all of the things that you're feeling. So if you go to a doctor's surgery and you're feeling really low, and I'm making a generalization, I'm sure that there are plenty of great doctors that don't do this, but a lot of doctors will start with an antidepressant, even on a low dose, to try to help the individual. And that's what's really, really sad. I've got a very, very close friend that's been on antidepressants for some time and she's got worse and worse as time goes on. And of course, as she's gotten older and she's coming to perimenopause, what worked for her years ago isn't going to work now because her body's very different and she's in a real state. And so the doctor's trying to straddle this balance with is her anxiety causing her to feel this way or is is it because of her hormones that she's feeling anxious? And so I get that it's it's a really tricky thing to deal with um, as a medic, but it, it is an absolute minefield and that's why just talking with people is just great and walking and I'm, I'm, obviously I'm banging the drum because we do our talk and walk but it really really helps you know the one of the groups we had a lady that came and she was in her mid to late 70s and she just talked about her experiences with all sorts of things and with sage and magnesium and vitamin d and it was her story and there was another lady and I, I could really see that she, she was getting comfort from that but I think talking is 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 the key and just recognising that we are all doing this together uh, at varying ends of the spectrum, but it is happening to all of us at some point. And I think that that starts in educating our younger children when we start to talk about periods back then. And so we stop this sort of tabooness that comes with it and, and, and can really open up. Yes, yes. I'm a massive advocate of talking about it. I'm not yet quite at menopause or perimenopause age but I'm a massive advocate at least of talking about periods at work and I'm a bit like Suzanne was saying you know open book like I've had times where I've marched into a stable office and been like oh my period is awful it's really bad I'm having a really (laughs) bad day Um, does anybody have a tampon because I haven't got any Uh, you know all those kinds of things and I just think that actually the more you kind of normalize the fact that you can feel really shoddy like really shoddy with either menopause or period or or both in some cases and and you know that actually that does impact your work life whether it's through pain or tiredness and I don't know about you guys but I've had I get cripplingly tired with hormones some days to the extent that I feel I just want to go to bed I can't cope can't work but you have to carry on and particularly when you're in big race days like you Emma or in and big meetings like you, Suzanne, as well, you know, those days are so busy and so tiring mentally as well. I think that actually just recognizing A, that everyone is an individual. And I think B, this the the, the word I just wrote down was holistic approach when you were talking, Emma, because I think actually the problem with a lot of the way that menopause and, and other kind of women's issues, quote unquote, are approached is that it's we're packaged into a one size fits all. And I just wanted to touch, before we talk about um, walk and talks, which I can't wait to discuss, Suzanne, you mentioned supplements. That was something else I just jotted down on my pad and the kind of minefield that is dealing with the menopause. Um, Obviously, you have um, 
you know, had some treatment and hormonal treatment as well. You mentioned gels and, and progesterone tablets there. But how did you go about navigating that? And how on earth do you decide what you're going to do, what you're going to take? And how have you kind of um, wound your way through that journey, I guess? Um, I think you're right. If it, there, there is there is masses. Um, research, Google's a great place, isn't it? And you can read all sorts into Google. But you, you start with your friends and, and there's lots of people around you who've suggested, well, I've tried this, I've used that, or um and, and men actually. Again, as I said, you know, the, the men that I've spoken to, poor CEO of uh, British Dressage, we were having a, a meeting one day and I suddenly was like, I could just feel myself boiling up and I knew my face was bright red, starting to sweat a little bit and I just Jason, I'm so sorry. <laughs> I'm just having a, a hot flush here. You'll have to just bear with me. Uh, and he was like, no problem. When, you, when you're in a little rut or a hole or the, that mental health, that kind of depression piece, so often about people who have anxiety or depression is the less they talk about it, the worse they get. Um, and it has that horrible downward spiral feeling. Um, you know, the menopause, is, menopause can be the same. And so that's what I was doing, talking to people about it, reading up. Uh, and of course, there's always miracle cures everywhere, you know, on Facebook or whatever. But then you don't know unless you try. Um, so I just chose some very natural products to start with, some expensive ones, like a rub-on cream, again, works the same way as the kind of estrogen gel works. You, you rub it on in uh, soft tissue areas once a day, and it's a tiny little amount uh, to then tablets that you take before you eat, some zinc, sage, uh, soya, um, all sorts of different things. Um, and, and you have to try them for a period of time. There are some, there are some really good, what, you know, what clearly look like really good products out there that have been developed by women for women. Um, and they've really taken their time to research the product. But again, it's just finding the, the thing that works for you and giving it enough time to test as well. Um, because I, I, I do believe that there is stuff out there because so many women I have spoken to have gone through periods of either finding something really quickly or or having to test and try like I've done to find the right thing. So I, I don't believe it's, oh my gosh, we've all got to end our lives for, for five years or 10 years or two years or however long it takes us to get through this. Um, I, I do think it's a case of being bold and trying stuff as as best you can. And yeah, doctors are a great uh, resource. And again, depending on your GP, mine was brilliant. I had a really good chat with him. And uh, I mean, I've gone to him because I decided I wanted to try HRT because it's a gel and you're not ingesting it. Estrogen is less impactful to your your organs. Um, And so therefore, that's why the gel has been recommended more, less kind of cancerous impact um over the longer term because I think that was a real scare factor for a long time wasn't it you know the risk of breast cancer associated with HRT was really quoted as being one of the risk factors associated with it and I think my understanding now is that the research on short-term usage is shows that it to be much shows it to be much more favorable particularly if you're using topical products and so actually I think a lot more people seem to be feeling I don't think brave is the right word but perhaps content to to try those sorts of products and see whether they can get a response from them which is really great because actually they they really help I think in a, for a lot of women and actually that that fear associated with taking something that can help you is a horrible paradox yeah it it, it is um yeah and it's and it's 
again, if you're a healthy person and you haven't had to take things for for your life, I haven't. um, The last thing you want to do is start putting chemicals in your body. And this is a discussion I had with my closest friend. We talked about it for a long time. Uh, neither both of us going through it at the same time and 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 actually i've i've stepped into the breach and started and she hasn't she tried the patches that kept falling off uh, so that's another thing you don't know patches are not very good if you're active they're all right if you have a quite a sedentary lifestyle but if you if you run or you ride horses or whatever then they fall off regularly but yeah so i'm almost the guinea pig in our relationship i'm trying this and seeing how we get on and then she she might step into the breach um brilliant <laughs> well right. I, you're blazing the trail there so. yeah <laughs> and emma how about you how have you kind of navigated that and and what have you found works for you, you're obviously quite interested in the kind of nutrition side. And I love the idea of the breath techniques as well that you mentioned, having some guidance around that. That sounds brilliant. Um, well, I'm very much happy to have an open mind to try HRT. But unfortunately, as, as part of my story, I've got fibroids, which were discovered late May. One of my particular fibroids um, is the size of a cantaloupe melon and is growing slowly. And so it has to come out and I'm having a hysterectomy in November, which is both scary and sort of exciting in a way because I know that it will change my body physically from this sort of constant state that I find myself in. So I've gone down the natural herbal remedy route for now because, of course, what might work for me now with HRT probably won't work in November because it will be different. My body will be different. So um, I'm counting down the days really until until November um, and I appreciate that obviously the other side of that there'll be other things to deal with certainly in the short term in terms of recovery but um, for now because of the blood loss I've had to look at natural ways to, to get more iron in my body um, and I've tried some herbal um, suggestions that a, a lady that came to group last was, was suggesting one herbal remedy called ashwagandha, which a couple of people ha- had used and it had worked for them. And again, I'm not suggesting that it would work for everybody, but I'm absolutely willing to give it a go. And I have done, I've been taking it and I've, I've certainly felt lighter, you know, mentally lighter. And I've taken some vitamin D because I think that we probably all could do with a little bit more of that, certainly in the winter months. But one of the other ladies had said she'd really noticed a difference. And so, you know, like Suzanne, I was very keen to explore all of these things, especially when they're you know, holistic, as you say, or herbal and less scary than perhaps a, a traditional HRT tablet, um, possibly. So, yeah, I mean, and, and I think for me, certainly food wise, it wasn't so much the actual food was having a discussion about reprogramming the times I was eating the food um which is something entirely different and how I was drinking too much black coffee because it's what I do in the mornings because it's busy etc and you know, <laughs> trying to counteract the, the the things that are going into my body in a in a, you know without without prescription if you like but um absolutely as soon as as soon as I'm sorted I'm I'm keen to get to the doctors and and, you know, if I need it, who knows, I might feel a lot better afterwards uh, and not need it. But certainly if I if I need some intervention, I'll be I'll be happy to go to the doctors and try something. Yeah, that's 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 really fascinating. Emma, sorry, Emma, jumping in there, because you're right. The progesterone helps when and it, and is absolutely needed when you still have a womb because it breaks down. It stops your womb from from building up the blood again. Um, once you take the estrogen, because of course your body wants to start working as it was working before, and then 
kind of bringing you back into this period, etc. So you've got this whole mad cycle of, but you, you're, you're going to have your hysterectomy. That's going to be so. Gosh, you're brave going into that. Wow. And I love your attitude, Emma. That's incredible in terms of how you're looking at it. But, you know, what, what you, you can't do anything else, really, can you? You know, you are, your body is going to change dramatically. Yeah. And, and it's a funny thing because there was much discussion about my ovaries, which is not something you talk to anybody about very often. But I have found myself talking about my ovaries Um quite often of late and there was this discussion with with myself and and the doctor about what would happen to me mentally afterwards if my ovaries are removed because back to me being a a a, a bubbly certainly glass half full kind of person and knowing how I deal with my body physically now it was it's absolutely the case that well hold on a minute I know I'm not great but I'm dealing with this what happens when my ovaries are taken away from me and I'm forced into what's then called medical menopause? I don't know how I'm going to deal with that. Or even if I can, will that be worse than this? And so I've done a fair amount of soul searching about the whole thing. And and I think that um, for now, we've checked my ovaries and, and we think that they're OK. So we're going to leave them in. They might need to come out at a later date. But, but certainly, I think that I'm less terrified about what's about to happen on the basis that they're not coming out. I, I certainly didn't have any attachment to them, if you like. And I know that for some ladies, that that's not an easy decision either because of what it represents, especially if you're younger. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Bring it on. Wow, Emma, that is so amazing. I just love your mentality, as Suzanne said, around that, to have that kind of bring it on attitude for, you know, fibroids. We could have another hour on fibroids <laughs> and endometriosis and underdiagnosed um, conditions of the uterus, as it were. Um, and, you know, and I think knowing friends and family members and a bit myself of having going through those sorts of things, that is a whole other topic. But the diagnosis around you know, fibroids in particular is often incredibly difficult. Um, and so, and, and then the treatment, like you say, is, you know, is big and major and should be acknowledged as such. So good luck with all of that. Um, I know Suzanne and I are right behind Thank you, as you. will be the rest of the racing home community. Definitely. Just to finish Definitely. with, we, we're going to have a little chat about walk and talk. We've alluded to it a couple of times. I really want to know a little bit more about the kinds of people that you've had coming and how you've encouraged people to come and really open up about that. Did people need much encouragement or was everybody kind of desperate to chat? And, and how has it gone since you've started? Well, in terms of getting people there, we use the, the usual route. So always really lucky. We've got a really strong Mums Chat Facebook group, which I think is about 7,000 members. And it is absolutely the go-to for what is happening uh, in Salisbury or what is happening if your children are poorly. You know, you might have a look and there'll be a picture of someone's child with, is this Chicken pox is this, what is this? It's just, it's the Bible, if you like, for all things um, child related. And so I started there and just said, look, we're doing this. Um, didn't really do any more advertising than that. And then I noticed that a couple of the local doctor's surgeries had shared my post, which was really interesting. And then I got a call from uh, another lady that's involved in another group, another menopause, perimenopause group. And it was just, it was just really obvious that these little sort of satellite groups were going on all around us and sort of near to us. And we've got all of this space at the race course. And, and so I was really keen to, to, to see if we could explore getting all these people together. And the boss was absolutely on board with it, which as I say, they've been really, really supportive. And then 
we just sat there on the first one and thought we don't really know how many people will come and if anyone will come and we thought well that's okay because there are plenty of us that work here you know, within the race course that you know we can fill a couple of hours of talking about ourselves without without problem as long as there's plenty of tea and biscuits um and the ladies just came and it was so lovely and it was a real mix of personalities ages how are you kind of expanding that because you've mentioned about um you know having a the kind of outside speakers coming in to talk to you as well as the obvious kind of group walks and and kind of more casual chats as well I would love to see how this is going to grow Emma it's so exciting from having you know an idea earlier on in the summer because you wrote you know for those who don't know Emma's only been running this for a few months it's quite a new venture um and it really has kind of spiraled and escalated in the most wonderful fashion a bit like racing home in a strange sort of way um and you know the number of people that are talking about it is absolutely amazing and I would love to see other race courses and other areas of racing and if anyone is listening to this um, and would like to think about it I'm sure that um, Emma would be happy to chat but I'd love to hear about how it's kind of grown and developed from that first more casual meeting that you had Emma I contacted Caroline Noakes MP for Romsey because she's obviously been flying the flag in, in Parliament to see if she wanted to come along and she did and I thought this is amazing she's coming and so then I thought gosh I'm really going to have to make it a great event so so from there really I've just sort of put feelers out with other people that are doing it just to see what works well and um we're just really keen for it to grow and and already today I, I saw uh, some of the presentation that the, the nutritionist is doing on Friday and she made a really interesting point and she said that obviously hot flushes are terrible and they impact on the day um, and it's awful. But, you know, you can live with hot flushes. They're not nice. She said, but if your bone density is poor, then that's not great. That leads to all sorts of really big problems. And so we're starting with that. We're going to talk about what we're putting into our body Um food-wise, what times we're putting it into our body, and then we're doing breathing. And then I think what we've noticed is, is that organically these other topics come up and then whatever comes from Friday, I'll take it on board and think, okay, we'll, we'll do this next time. And then I'll do some research and find out who would be best suited to come and talk to us about that. The next one we're doing is talk and yoga, which is very exciting. And so it's just really marrying up that, keep moving, keep talking and keep sharing ideas, really. But with all of these things, it's just sort of happened, really. Yeah, it's wonderful. And it's so wonderful to hear you talking about it as well. I can't wait to see where it goes next. Yeah, as I said, I will put some resources. Um, there's a couple of other brilliant menopause related podcasts, which I'll pop into the show notes of this episode. So people can click through directly to those. For those of you who don't know, Davina McCall is a massive menopause advocate these days. Um, and along with Meg Matthews has done a huge amount in um, raising the profile of talking about menopause, which I think is really important. I know that Emma is um, keen to welcome and anybody that would like to go to Salisbury and um, we will post out details of the next walk and talks or Emma just quickly where can people find details so you can go to our website uh uk or our social media pages and it is absolutely free this is the other thing these resources don't cost anything 
That's amazing. It's amazing. Well, we look forward to, as I said, seeing how that grows. Um, both of you, thank you so, so much for your time. This has been a wonderfully enlightening conversation with unexpected twists and turns, which is one of the things I adore most about podcasting. Um, and this entire series has been uh, one long series of brilliant conversations. Um, with So I want to thank all my guests over the last 10 episodes as well. Um, and Emma and Suzanne, thank you so much for your time today. Thank you. That's it for today. Thanks for listening. And don't forget to follow the podcast to receive all new episodes as they land. It would really help us if you could rate the podcast and leave a review telling us what you'd like to hear about. This is a resource for you and everyone in the industry. And we'd love to hear from you. We'll be back in a couple of weeks. So see you then.